Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host, and today I have with us beautiful Briny C. and Susie Sheffield from Atlanta, Georgia. How are you doing today, Susie? I'm wonderful, and thank you so much for having me. I got that all right. I was almost, I almost twisted my tongue trying to say all of it this morning. <laughs> it's a, it's, and my middle name Cersei, so Susie Cersei Sheffield. If you, if you'd like to um, keep the tongue twisting going. So. <laughs> no, man, that's cruel. That's a cruel thing. But um, <laughs> um, I, um, so tell us, Susie. I mean. I, I've known you for, through Flavor Georgia for at least four, the last four years because of doing the Flavor Georgia. But tell us a little bit about Beautiful Briny Sea and, and the products that you guys uh, create. Well, we are a dry goods company, um, which I the 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 way that this even came to be. I for seventeen years in Columbia, South Carolina, I had a small restaurant. Um, which was in an old diner. It had nine seats and a patio, so it was more of a snack bar. Um, and I'm originally from Atlanta, so when I was um, ready to move back home, I knew I didn't want to open a restaurant. I wanted to stay with food. I wanted to stay um, with the local food community. But having had you know the chaos of a restaurant for 17 years, I started thinking, what is the most shelf-stable uh, way that I can be involved with food and not have the chaos of a restaurant, but actually still have those relationships with growers and the food community and farmers markets. And so um, the idea of dry goods and salt um, just started forming in my head. It was like, I still get to, uh, you know, work with local ingredients. I still get to create flavor profiles in a sense, like I'm creating constantly. Um, so that's where, that's where the whole idea came from. Um, and I just started very simple, just four flavors, uh, rosemary salt, mushroom salt, pink peppercorn salt, and lavender. So those are the first four flavors I made. And then um, over the past eight years, we now have 14 salt, 12 sugars, and about 80 products that we do in collaboration or private label with other companies. Oh, that's so. incredible. <laughs> and, and the amount of different types. And, and I know, um, you know, we have the unicorn salt in our house, as well as Hot Steve's is one of our favorites. Uh, and as well as, I can't remember the sugar, actually. Um, I'll have to look. It's something we... You know what? Pocket full of Starlight? Yes, that's <laughs> it. Pocket full of Starlight. And I think it was a Flavor of Georgia one. And... Uh, it was, yeah. And I th- we use it on ice cream sometimes, as if you need more sugar oh, on ice excellent. cream. But it's, um, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> so, t- I mean... Great. Let's go back to your beginning in, in the restaurant and things like that. I mean, so were you always a chef? Did you did you grow up in food or it's something that you you decided no. to open your own restaurant? So how did you get involved in owning your own mm. restaurant? Everything has been self-taught. Um, I have just always, food has just always been a part of me. Um, eating, researching, I always have cookbooks from, from, from my first job. I mean, when I was... Uh, well, outside of babysitting, I worked in a children's clothing store um, and through college, you know, I had several different jobs. Um, right after college, I worked for a portfolio manager and really literally with every job I've ever had, it's like, what are we going to do for the company Christmas party? What are we going to do for, you know, everything <laughs> always went back to food. And so finally, um, in my junior year in college, I started uh, working for a caterer. Um, and then I, I don't, just dining and traveling and eating have just been the highlights of anything I've ever done. So I, it never dawned on me that for one, it could turn it into a career. I was in Columbia, South Carolina, visiting family, friends. Um, I was in between um, school and grad school and uh, using the library um, to do some research. And there was this nine seat diner um, for lease. It was actually, if any, if you were, do you, are you familiar with the Tuttle House chain of restaurants? It was sort of like a prototype to the Huddle House and Waffle House. And I think the chain, its last surviving restaurant, went under in the 70s. Well, there was this perfect um, nine-seat diner for lease. And I was about to go back home to Atlanta to go to school in the fall. And was like, whoa, I could do something here. This would be – and all of a sudden, I was like, okay, I'll open a, a – quick counter service Mexican restaurant. And this was before the chains like Moe's or anything became popular. And I'd actually spent time in Oaxaca. And so threw together this business plan and went up to visit my parents in 
said, I think I want to do this. And so <laughs> that's where the restaurant came from. And then menu development and all that, I just did it all. It was in my 20s. And I don't, I, you know, the idea of it not working never occurred to me. So I just kept working and it happened that we, we were, um, three years ago, it shut down. So I had the restaurant for 17 years and it was, um, every bit as chaotic and exciting and rewarding and wonderful as you can imagine. So, um, I mean, so, so nine seats, that was, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> Only nine seats. So, I mean, you, you get in the lease, you do the diner. What type of food did you serve? It was a very simple menu. So burritos, tacos, one salad, one soup. Um, we did uh, sort of a, like a, a spin on gazpacho six months out of the year, and then it turned into a white bean um, for the rest of the year. At the end of the counter, we had fresh onions, lime, cilantro, and the chili sauce, and that was it. So um, you could choose uh, your protein. So everything was made vegan. You could add cheese, beef, or chicken. So tiny, simple menu with two sauces so <laughs> and that, um, were you creating your own spices and stuff even then oh yeah I did everything so I I you know this was just sort of chaos making up chaos and it all ended up just because I like to eat and I like to try different things so I remembered you know the first time I had salsa verde I was probably 13 with my parents in Santa Fe and I wrote had notes on that so I just kind of went back to all these food memories I had had and sort of came up with a menu um, very influenced by uh, a time spent in Oaxaca. Um, I didn't have a stack, actually. I'm looking at them right now in my office, a stack of the, um, the Mexican-inspired, uh, Latino-inspired cookbooks. So I'm staring at them right now. So it's just always just been, I don't know, but building the flavors and, and the spices and the, you know, um, the, the flavor profiles for these things is was sort of always the most important part to me. So I guess now stepping back and actually talking about this is, uh, you know, that's, that's what I'm still doing right now. There's no restaurant, obviously, and there's no food, but I'm sort of using salt and sugar, these dry goods as sort of a canvas for telling a story or creating a food memory or um, trying to get uh, like a, with a collaboration, you know, trying to, get to a, um, a common ground when we're trying to figure out a certain flavor or, um, flavor or, you know, um, ingredient profile. So, and so, and okay. So you, you do the restaurant and then like you said, you got out and then you were looking to simplify things, but was shelf stable and something you could use? Well, obviously salt and sugar. Um, but so yeah. tell well, me about that transition. Well, the restaurant actually, so 17 years, um, we closed um, organically three years ago. Um, I actually ended up owning the property. And so we just got an offer on the property. And so it was like a perfect time to close down organically. Um, so, but before that, so uh, about 12 years into the owning the restaurant, um, my family's here in Atlanta. Um, my sweetheart is here in Atlanta. My dad, um, he was getting older and his, uh, he had dementia. So it was sort of really important for, for me to kind of spend the last years with him. Um, you know, and he, uh, so, so I was, I knew I was coming back to Atlanta. Um, and I just was like, I just, there's no way I could have another restaurant and be a semi absent owner for my other one. So, I just started making um, in three places in the restaurant at my sweetheart Robbie's house and at mom and dad's kitchen. I just started, you know, I ordered a 50 pound bag of sea salt from um, Brazil and just sort of drove around within my car and then would go to the farmer's market and find spices or order kind of interesting things online and just started, um, you know, just playing with ratios and, you know, using them in food and trying to figure out um, what, you know, what I like. And once I got the hang of it, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to launch a very basic line, just single ingredient slims and started here in Atlanta. Um, I went to uh, the Indie Craft Experience Ice. It's like a handmade show they have. And I somehow um, got in their holiday show and I sold out in like the first day. And I probably made like 50 jars of each flavor. So I sold 200 jars in the first day. I was like, wow. Um, and that was like very crude package design. It was in a small tent. I mean, the labels were compliant and everything, but it was nothing, 
um, fabulous. And so that sort of gave me, you know, a dose of energy to really start um, bringing it to life. So went uh, went back to South Carolina, um, got a license, you know, ran it through the restaurant, you know, through the Department of Ag in South Carolina, um, started working with designers who are lifelong friends. Um, they were regular customers. It's a company called the Half and Half in Columbia. They were regular customers and undergrad students still at USC and came up um, to me in the restaurant one day and said, hey, um, we're designers. Would you mind if we made um, some posters or something, you know, and I was like, sure, we can trade out. So they started doing these fantastic designs for the restaurant. And so it's kind of a no brainer when I wanted to sort of, um, you know, figure this concept out. Um, they helped me, we got some branding together and then, um, it just, that, that started, if you, you know, look at our basic salt labels, like the lavender, the rosemary, that was sort of like the stamp of our, um, concept that's where the whole branding came from and to me uh another another lifelong dream or thing when i was little um i i loved little house on the prairie that was my favorite show and um if you remember i don't know if you're familiar with the show but when they would go into town when laura and her mom uh would go into town to buy stuff they'd go into olson's mercantile and if you remember Mrs. Olson would be, or Mr. Olson would be standing um, behind the counter, but behind them there was this huge wall of just ingredients and sugar and flour. And I, and I love the way they would, you know, take the jars off the shelf and pack it up and wrap it in twine. And, and to me, I was like, that's the dreamiest. That, that, that would be, that was just my dream is to be able to, you know, have something like that. And so <laughs> I kind of do now, if you could come in the studio and take a look, I mean, we, our production room is um, two 10-foot tables, um, two 10-foot butcher block tables, and then behind it is uh, four, five, six, seven, seven shelves that are probably 18 feet wide, just full of um, apothecary jars and ingredients and anything from corn flour to lavender buds to all kinds of chilies, um, so and it's so it's it's kind of a dream come true in that sense too. <laughs> and so, I, love I don't that. know where so, we were going with that, but no. But so, how did you end up in Atlanta from South Carolina? Oh well, no, my parents are here, so that's what I was saying. My mom and dad were here, and my okay. sweetheart was here, and so and like I said, my dad um, he was sick, and it was just it was like a coming back home. Um, you know, I always knew that I was going to eventually come back home. So, and I ended up in South Carolina because I went there. We had family friends there. Right out of um, right out of my undergraduate, I was working in Atlanta for a year, year and a half, and then went to visit friends, and then there was this restaurant for sale. Yeah, so South yeah. Carolina was sort of a random detour, and then com- coming back to Atlanta. So, so you were in South yeah. Carolina for seventeen years with the restaurant. Well, my restaurant was. Yeah, okay. I was there, but after about twelve, yeah, it's a long and sorted story that makes no sense, and nothing does in my life, and it ever does, then we'll have a problem. So. <laughs> No, but, well, I love it because um, it's sort of like life leads you and you let your entrepreneurial journey sort of take you uh, where it was, which is a lot of people, yeah. you know, it's not, it's often not what we want to do. It's what we sort of end up doing um, and pursuing mm-hmm. in, in our hearts and, and opportunities and things like that. And I love the story about the jars because I think I, in, uh, well, let's pause for a second. Uh, tell the audience where they can find your products because I, I want everyone to look at it. If they're listening somewhere, they can go online or go on um, social media to see it because I think the way you do everything is just the packaging and everything. So I want everyone out there to see it. And then let's talk about all the different kind of flavors you have or different types oh, of seasoning. Sure. And my... then we'll get back to the story yeah. because I think I really want to go into that because I think it's such a huge part of your story and your personality. Oh, absolutely. Um, so our website is beautifulbrinyc.com, and briny is B-R-I-N-Y. Um, so beautifulbrinyc.com, we're on Instagram, it's at beautifulbrinyc. Um, we, uh, we have our online store, um, and uh, I'm trying to think locally in Atlanta, we're um, at Whole Foods. Well, in, in Southeast, we're at Whole Foods. Trying to think, um, we are available um, in Williams-Sonoma, our Magic Unicorn, Hot Steve, 
are available at Williams-Sonoma. Um, locally in Atlanta, the Beehive Co-op, all the Cook's Warehouse locations, the local exchange, Wahoo Wine and Spirits. Um, and available like mostly at smaller retailers and mom and pops throughout the country. So um, if, you, if you go to our website, we'll be able to direct you to um, specific locations. So. Uh, and so tell us, I mean, you have such a variety of products. I mean, I'm just, I love the names, number one. I think they're so creative, especially like the ones we just saw at the Flavor of Georgia this year. But there's so many different kinds. I mean, I don't know if you have a list in front of you or you just have them all memorized, but I love the no. names. And I, no, they're like, they're all... They're like my children, so I know them all. Yeah, I can, I can I was, tell you the story of every one of them. Well, let's and let's do that because <laughs> we have plenty of time. So let's, you know, let's pick a, some of your favorite uh, ones and let's tell the stories about them because I love how you do that at the Flavor oh. of Georgia. You always have a story about each one. So let's talk about the gunpowder one that we just talked. The gunpowder salt, I believe it's called. Um, I can't remember exactly. Sure. Um, well, gun, and this is a whole other branch of our business. Um, and so Gunpowder is actually a collaboration. It is um, a collaboration with Kevin Gillespie, who is a top chef celebrity. He is um, very, he's a, a restaurateur here in Atlanta. He owns a restaurant gun show, Revival. Um, he owns Game Changer uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and he's about to launch another venture um, right around the corner. So, and very involved in the local food community, um, very involved in sustainable food practices. Um, so his, and, and um, Gun Show, his restaurant is uh, about a quarter of a mile down from our studio here in Grant Park. So we, um, just after dining there and um, sort of being in the food community with him, we were talking with him one day, we we're like, we should totally make a salt and it should clearly be called gunpowder. And so he came into the studio um, and we, when, when, when we invite people into the studio, um, we, we have an open door policy, obviously with the bar and um, with the bar and kitchen programs uh, here in Atlanta, people can come in at any time, make whatever they want. We're happy to share ingredients or source things for them. So um, he came into the studio um, and spent uh, by himself, you know, I mean, he, we, we let him have his own space and he just, you know, started pulling stuff. Um, off the shelves, um, he, uh, you know, was taking notes and sort of, and, and I, he's, he, he does probably the total opposite of what I would do. I get in there and just make a chaotic mess. He was incredibly like structured and very particular and very measured everything he did. And, you know, I could see him taking notes. It's just the total opposite way I would do things. So I was fascinated by it, but, um, the, the flavor, um, it is, I call it multiple personality disorder salt because what he pulled together with these totally random contrasting ingredients is, is um, was fabulous. It's, it has some citrus in it. It has chilies in it. It has a tiny bit of curry. It has sumac. It has vanilla powder. It has orange peel. So none of it really makes sense, but the finished product is, is fabulous. Um, and it's, it's very pretty to look at. It's a black lava salt. So it's, you know, shocking when you open the tin and um, the tin looks, it's designed, it's like an old, it's, a, it's like a small, round, threaded, copper-colored tin with a black label that his, his designer um, did. And it looks like an old, um, like, like 1970s, like a, like a BB tin. So, um, and, and Gun Show, just to go <laughs> further, um, go back, Gun Show, he named his restaurant, um, which was his first, I think, you know, flagship restaurant. Gun Show was... Um, named in honor of his dad. And, you know, he said uh, um, he grew up when his dad worked seven days a week um, to, you know, provide for his family. And the, the you know, rare occasion that he wasn't working, um, time spent with his dad was at a gun show. So I think the, the restaurant is a nod to him, uh, his family, his, uh, his hardworking father. And so we just kind of tied it all together and the product he made was fantastic. So that's where gunpowder comes from. Um, and it's, it's, it's really versatile. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's labeled as a finishing salt, but it's actually, um, delicious on several things. I even throw it in, you know, pasta water sometimes. So, but it's, um, it's fun. It's, it's a fun day when we get the black salt in and, and do a run. So. I think um, it's amazing the so flavor complexities amongst all of it. Like there's just like there's the hints you can literally taste if you really do it. And as a judge of flavor, George, I was like, 
I mean, it's just so magnificent. I'm really like, it's just mm-hmm. very creative. And uh, one and two is you would, like you said, as you would never think they'd mix so well, um, but they do on the palate and, mm-hmm. and you can get a little hint of all of it, but it's just, I mean, it really, it was like, it's so well done and it's the perfect amount and I truly loved it. Yeah. So I'll let you go I on agree. to the next one, I but I had I to just, <laughs> and, and the, the way it looks and the tin and everything, it brings me back to being a kid and playing like BB gun warfare in my parents' farm and like running yeah. around shooting each other. And, um, yeah, kids don't do that <laughs> at home. I better do an exclaimer, but it's, um, our disclaimer, sorry. And, um, but I love the way it's done. I love the packaging. I, I think it's just so creative. So, um, definitely try it. <laughs> if you're out there in the audience, try um, the gunpowder salt. Yes. <laughs> oh, and the gunpowder salt is available at redbeard.com, redbeardmerch.com. Redbeard is, you know, Kevin has a red beard. So the, the arm of his company, they have an online store. And so, and we actually make four or five products for him. So, um, and, and, you know, we're constantly kind of coming up with stuff. So it's a, it's a fabulous collaboration. And one thing I will say in this business, um, outside of, you know, running your company and making sure that, you know, everything is running well and, you're, you know, keeping up with sales and customer service, um, you, you hit a plateau, um, you, you get to a certain point and, you know, things need to grow or things need to grow laterally, if not, you know, and, and you need to keep um, some fresh enthusiasm in your production room and in your product development. And so I do think it is critical um, once you're established. And when I say established, that doesn't mean anything other than once you I've got your routine down and, you know, you're, you're once, so once you, once you're established, <laughs> um, reaching out and uh, engaging with the community and, and collaborating and, and um, looking for other opportunities to just keep your mind creative, to keep your mind enthusiastic about coming to work every day. So these collaborations are essential to our business, um, not only from the relationship standpoint, but it's, it's sort of a survival in a sense that you're you're still enthused, you're still injecting your product not only with integrity but um, creativity, and constantly looking for you know ways to keep telling a story or finding your voice. I mean, telling a story is one thing, but also knowing who the storyteller is. You know, making sure that you're still you know still as as authentic as you can be. So these collaborations are essential. So that was that was actually the second collaboration we've done and it's been the most, you know, um, longstanding and, uh, we're, we're still making, we're still coming up with things to do together. So, but, um, uh, do you want me to keep talking about different flavors? Yeah. Or? Yeah. I love it. Cause I love it. it's part of your okay. story and I love that each one has a story. I oh. think it's amazing. Well, so back to the beginning when I was saying, so we had rosemary mushroom, um, and actually today it's mushroom day. So the, studio smells like toasted mushrooms so we'll be um i'm sorry that we can't smell through the phone it's, it's pretty crazy when we have mushroom day so it's um rosemary mushroom lavender pink peppercorn and this was about a year and a half into the company i was here in atlanta we had just rented some i moved my llc and set up a business here in atlanta and we had moved into a building behind the highland bakery so it was about 700 square feet and i had one of the butcher block tables in there and a little desk and, you know, a little pallet of salt and um, some cubby holes that I would use to store things in as well as our product. And so um, I, uh, I was at the Inman Park Festival and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of food and food trucks. And I remember uh, having a bite of um, a sandwich that Robbie had gotten. Robbie's my sweetheart. Um, and, for some reason it had celery seed and something else. And I was like, wow, that's really good. And I'm, I hate, I'm not a big celery seed person. I feel like if you have one celery seed and seven gallons of water, that's all you taste. Yeah. Same with like green bell pepper. But for some reason I was like, well, maybe I'll play around with that. So um, I started uh, celery seed and I was crushing it and grinding a little bit. And then I was like, well, maybe something else can go in here and garlic, of course. And then um, I, I had always loved Hungarian paprika and that cool little tin. I forget. Um, I don't know the brand, but I've always liked it and always bought it and had it. And so I had some smoked paprika. And so just started playing around with a blend. And this was the first blend I had ever made. And I was like, wow. 
um, and maybe put some citrus in and then of course rosemary, but then I was kind of troubled because the rosemary was like, I didn't like the, the, the texture. So it's experimenting. So it took about two weeks and I would go in every day and then, you know, one main thing in this business, you cannot try to correct anything. If you've messed up, like hitting something at the right point, it's just like a canvas. It's just like a sketch pad. You just start over. So <laughs> I dump lots of bowls of salt out um, in product development. So I made this blend and I loved it. And for some reason, there was garlic and smoked paprika, rosemary, and then there was that celery seed, my arch nemesis of spices, and, and it all worked. And so I was like, well, this is the first blend I've ever made. And I was in bed one morning waking up. I was like, oh, I got to work on that flavor. What am I going to call it? Well, you know, let's, let's, well, let's celebrate. It's the first blend. And so I just, out of the blue, said, magic unicorn it is. And so, um, you know, went into the studio, played around with bulking it up. And then that's how Magic Unicorn was born. And <laughs> I called them. This is, you know, I was in Atlanta at this point. So I called my friends in Columbia, the designers. I was like, okay, let's figure out this. Um, let's figure out this branding. I was like, I, for some, we've got to do, make this a little, a little fun and creative since this is our first, uh, first blend. And I said, I was obsessed with um, fruit stripe gum as yeah, a kid yeah me too and so can we maybe like <laughs> you know so i said can we you know maybe um make you know have have a little tribute to that and so they came up with the fruit stripe sort of image like the you know the the, the stripes that kind of had that 60s 70s sort of psychedelic look to it and then they just dialed down the colors and made it a little pastel and, uh, you know, it, it, unicorn really doesn't have anything to do with it. It was just this kind of nonsensical, playful, let's celebrate the first um, blend of salt. And it's sort of been part of our, it's, it was the first and most popular still um, flavor in our roster. And then we're still here now in the middle of the unicorn trend. It's still um, going strong. And I don't, I think it has staying power. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's one of our most popular, most popular blends. Um, the first blend we ever made. And once, once I figured that out, once I realized, and it, uh, it was also like once I started taking it to shows or talking about it, it was more fun to talk about that and how it was made or the fact that it had multiple ingredients or, oh, it goes well with. Then I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. We are making products. We're telling a story. We're having, we're having um, a reason why these ingredients are in it. And yes, here's how you can use it. And then on to the next story. So that was sort of where this whole thing of telling a story through food, telling a story through what I'm making. Um, yes, yes, I make salt, but actually salt is just sort of the canvas for the flavors I'm creating or the stories I'm telling or the um, food memory we're trying to create. So um, Magic it, Unicorn sort of set the set the pace for um, the rest of the product line. So Yeah, and I um, love the Magic Unicorn every, I mean, one for sure. And and anyone i don't know if i've ever mentioned it on the podcast but i've called deborah my unicorn from day one just because she's one of a kind but it's now the whole unicorn trend and all of that obviously has become such a huge thing but i love your packaging on it i actually it's my favorite salt that you guys have and I, we have quite a few in our in our uh pantry just because every time we go to uh, farm view market we end up buying stuff from flavor of georgia while we're there and trying it or trying different flavors or jams and jellies and obviously your line of products as well as the sugars and things like that but it's just the oh. creativity that you have behind your not only the product itself but the packaging i think is so cool it's not in a plastic you know bottle like you would historically see stuff in the grocery store so i do want to continue well, the flavors but tell me a little more about how you chose the packaging that you chose well i feel like there a part of like figuring out your identity and figuring out of where you want to be in the food world um i we started out in the small little tins but then we had to hand label them because they were too small a label machine wouldn't work with them and then you just see those tins everywhere. And then you see glass jars everywhere, which glass jars are great. But I, I kind of, I didn't want to be labeled and, and marketed as like an artisan product, which we are very artisan. We're completely handmade. But artisans sometimes that label, I think, pigeonholes you into, oh, it's obviously going to be a little bit more expensive. It's not going to be a staple. You're not going to rebuy it. It's like something pretty that you keep in the shelf that you pull down for 
special occasions or to finish something. So I wanted this to be something you keep by the stove. If some of it spills out, it's okay. If you take it out to the grill, you know, you can just like throw it on the, you know, throw it on the, um, the table outside, you know, and, and we have a, it has a, I wanted it to have a wide mouth because as you know, like as a, someone, if you, if you like to cook, you don't have time to be, te- you know, you want everything to be kind of um, organic, like reaching and grabbing and, you know, just, uh, so I wanted all of those components to be into our package, um, be incorporated into our packaging. And then also I wanted as much real estate on the label as possible, especially um, a negative space to me is really important in a design, being able to sort of, you want to see what the product is, you want to be able to turn it over and see some suggested uses, and then you just want to be able to read a little bit about it without being bombarded by print and nutrition panels and all kinds of instructions. So um, I found uh, I found this company that makes, uh, it's like a paper tube. So if you can imagine a poster tube and then just chop it up and then put a, put a, a, a metal end cap and a lid on it, that's essentially what, 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 our, what our salt is packaged in. So... Um, it's got a matte, like a matte paper finish. And, uh, I don't know. I just feel like it works with what, um, what I want the home cook to use. You know, I want, don't want them to be able to use it, you know, keep, you know, keep it by the stove, throw it in your scrambled eggs. If you're looking around, you know, just if you're like need, need a spice or, or flavor or something quick, you know, it's, it's right there. So that was important to me. Um, for the packaging. And so that's where it comes from. We can always change it up. You know, somebody wants a clear lid. Uh, we, we have a couple of collaborations where they didn't like the metal lid. They wanted, you know, to be able to look in. So for, um, for uh, a couple of companies, um, we designed a clear lid. So we, I mean, there, there are possibilities. I mean, this is not set in stone. We can always do variations. A large size can with the sugar that holds two cups of sugar. So um, I don't know, lots of, lots of ways to, um, play around with with our product line, but I do um, I do right now like like where we're at. So as far as this paper tube, um, but we have had tins. We can do glass jars. It's just in the food. It's sort of a in the food industry. I mean, and jams and jellies, absolutely. But I feel like with with my product, with damage and with um, shipping, and I just you know, I'm 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 happy where we are with this. So. <laughs> Yeah, and I love it. I can't, and this is just me, but I drop stuff. I, I just have a tendency to drop stuff, um, a kind of a klutz. And mm-hmm. I, I literally, I think I've dropped your salt or, or sugar containers <laughs> a million times. Like one, the Hot Steve's has a huge dent in the metal lid on the top because I've dropped it. But, oh, good. But it's, uh, so it's getting lots of love and lots of use. And, but it's just so great. I just think it's so unique, the packaging. And I agree with you 100%. It's like, you don't feel bad using it. Like I bought it, I spent too much money and it, it needs to sit there on the shelf for special occasions. No, the way the the way it's, and it screams out at me, like really, like every time I open the pantry, yeah. it's right there. Oh, and I'm good. like, <laughs> you know, okay, this is what I'm going to use. Why, you know, use anything else. And I like that the there's so many different, you know, flavors combined into it. And it's like, we recently talked to an infused butter company. It's the same idea. You have all the ingredients you need in the salt, you know, to give you the flavor. I don't need to add mm-hmm. other things to it, you know, and it's easy. It's a one-stop yeah. shop. I grab it out of the cabinet. I'm like, okay, I like the truffle shot, um, truffle salt with my potatoes, you know, or my, and I actually use them on hash browns mm-hmm. as well because I like it that way. It, and and even, um, so it's things like that that you just, you know, they become great. Like the hot steves we use on chop up sweet potatoes and we cook them and then I eat them for breakfast and things like that because I like how hot steves, that spicy flavor goes with mm-hmm. the, you know, sweetness of a sweet potato. So it's just really yeah. amazing the flavors that that come out of the salt. I mean, I would never have thought, right? It's just like, it seems like salt, salt, and you have the, you know, Himalayan salt and you have the other one, but what you've done is basically created these beautiful products. So I, and I love the packaging. So there's that as well. I mean, I think it's brilliant. (laughs) Well, the, the salt, you know, like I said, I, you know, the salt is sort of the canvas for the flavor profile. And in turn, you know, salt, preserves the spices and the spices infuse the salt so everyone's winning um <laughs> in, the, in the flavored salt i'm definitely 
Um, I am, uh, you know, I respect and love and, uh, you know, am fascinated by the history of salt. I am in no way trying to say what I make is, you know, like salt has its own incredibly impactful and powerful place. Um, I'm, I'm more building flavor profiles and telling stories and the salt is sort of the vehicle. So um, all the salt purists out there, I'm not trying to reinvent salt whatsoever. I'm just um, happy that it is, you know, the canvas or the, the beginning of the story for these, um, these flavors I'm trying to build. So, yeah, I think it's amazing um, actually. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you can have, you know, your regular beer or you have your microbrewery beers. And I, I think it's something similar. Mm-hmm. You can, you have your unique thing in the creative side and, and so much flexibility and being creative that, you know, which is a beautiful thing as an entrepreneur and not being one of these huge companies, you have so much flexibility to create what you want because you, well, one, you own it and you're the boss, but two, it's like your creativity is, gets to be shown through every, not only the creation of the salts, like I said, but the packaging and it's, and it's so true to you, Susie, like uh, I see you and I've seen you the last four years in the presentation. I love that you enter your products into the flavor of Georgia every year. I think it's awesome because I look forward to seeing you every year and seeing your products as a judge. It's just... And it's such, you're just so upbeat and you have such a great attitude as an entrepreneur and it really shows in your products and and the packaging, like I said, and just, you know, it's really, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that come on the podcast and things like that. But one of the things that everyone needs to realize is energy is such a big deal to succeeding and loving what you do and having a positive attitude and people really being attracted to you in your business. And I think that you have all of that. And, you know, for, from my standpoint, I know it and it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch what you've done with these products over the last four years, because I'm just like, okay, like here is a person that, that loves what she does. She's passionate about it. And her positive energy and just the way she sees the world is just so, you know, put into every every product you produce. So, and I can only imagine oh, that well, the partnerships and the collaborations, you're, you're probably, they love you, I bet. So. Well, it's just, it's so important. It's so, why, I mean, why show up if you're not excited to be there? I mean, you, and you can't, and thank you so much, by the way, I, I, I can't thank you enough. I, it's the reason, you know, we get up and do these things every day. I mean, how, what a, what a privilege to be able to do something that I love. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's every day. I'm so grateful, but just, um, the, just working for one, working with these amazing ingredients, working with these amazing people in the community and the fact that I'm still able to carve out some sort of existence in the food community. I'm just so thankful. So, um, the, the stories or the flavors or these, these things just kind of invent themselves and the partnerships, like I'm, the partnerships that we've created over the past four or five years. I, I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of is that they've all like been forged organically. Like we have never, um, like our whole foods relationship or when cinema relationship, Jenny's ice cream, Delta airlines, these things that have happened just completely out of the blue, um, no one called on anyone. No one introduced anyone. We all just literally almost bumped into each other on the street. So that's a that's been another very important um, lesson for me. And it's it's really instilled. I think if you remain as authentic as you possibly can, and and grow uh, like slowly, maybe not slowly, maybe organic is a better word. Just if you if your pace and your focus and your enthusiasm are all um, on point, I think these things just magically happen. And I'm not trying to be uh, head in the clouds when I say that. I just really do think things happen in a, in a, in, when they're supposed to. And if you look too hard for them, you're going to miss them. And if you, you know, don't keep your eyes open and, and out, out in the world every day, then you're going to, they're going to pass you by as well. So um, I'm just grateful every day to be able to come in and do this. So, <laughs> um, uh, what, shall, what, 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 uh, what tangent can I go off on now? No, no I love it. And Sorry. I think it's so important. No, and I'm going to get back into some other questions cause you brought up some other things, but I'm, sure. I'm going to, I love the stories. And, um, if, 
If you don't mind, Susie, I'm going to say it on the air. I'd actually like to turn your episode into a two-part series right off the back where we do two episodes in a row. So we'll have sure. to schedule another recording because I, I really want to dive into the stories of each of your products because as we're talking okay. about it, there's something beautiful about what you're doing from a sales and marketing business standpoint, which is not only are you telling your story, but each of your products have a story. And it's it's brilliant marketing, and it's something that you just do. And, and, and but I love how you done uh, how you do it. I mean, it really ties me as a person to each one of your products, like even the Hot Steves or or the Magical Unicorn. You know, it's um, it's yeah. just amazing. So, on our next topic, so. You know, we'll continue to record, and I'm saying this in front of the audience, and then we'll, we'll do a cut, and then I'll schedule another time to, uh, as soon as we can to do a part two, and then we'll just release them back-to-back because I want to continue to talk as much as we can, plus go back and talk about some of the things you talked about, like Delta Airlines and things like that because they're important. Oh, sure. Um, and okay, I'm saying great. it on live so the audience can hear it so they know a part two is coming now. But let's talk about Hot okay. Steve's and that story since that's one of my favorites. Okay, well, Hot Steve was, um, Hot Steve started, well, when we first started, uh, William Sonoma, I mean, not William Sonoma, Whole Foods. So I started doing Farmer's Market. Um, Farmer's Market East Atlanta and Grant Park were the first markets I did. Um, and then you kind of go, okay, well, maybe I'll be if you know, Whole Foods, like if I can get in their local program or whatever. And Part of it is like you literally walk in and have to like, you know, go up to the grocery buyer and be like, hi, my name's Susie. So I did, um, we got in Whole Foods um, and it didn't, it was, you know, as far as like price points and, you know, we just kind of got lost on the shelf. So we started uh, talking about um, how, you know, maybe we could do a bulk product. So I made the first uh, two or three flavors I sold to them in 10 pound bags and they would put them in um, like the bulk bins. And one of them, uh, we decided we wanted something a little smoky, a little spicy. And so I came up with an orange chipotle salt and um, heavy on the heavy on orange peel, heavy on orange peel powder. And uh, so um, we have, we had a friend uh, who was getting married and wanted a wedding salt. So uh, he he wanted something a little spicy, and we got it packaged and um, had some labels made. And, you know, his name was Steve, and so we called it Hot Steve. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, maybe a couple of months later, it's like, Hot Steve is perfect, and it's fun to say, and it tastes really good. So we um, went back to the production room, upped the, upped the chili, up the citrus, um, and then that's how Hot Steve was born. <laughs> so we we tried we we played around with uh, maybe trying to like put the, actually like face of Hot Steve on the packaging. It didn't work, so we just kind of wanted it simple and bold. So um, that is where Steve comes from. Steve now lives in Chicago, um, and uh, hope he's doing well. And <laughs> Hot Steve is it's it's one of our more popular flavors. Um, I didn't, I didn't really mean to, I, you know, heat is something I was kind of waiting to play with, but that sort of like pushed us, um, into, into, uh, starting to play with chilies and stuff. And then, um, after that, uh, my next one with a little bit of heat, it's got residual heat with campfire. And that was a, um, can you go into start talking about campfire? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, absolutely. Okay. So, we had these chilies, um, but I wanted, if, if I was, you know, I don't really associate myself with this, like being a hothead. Like I love spicy food, um, but I, I like spicy food to come to me spicy. Like I, that's never, you know, the, the, the heat thing has always been like, um, I don't know. I kind of want, I want, I want to be pleasantly surprised by something that's spicy. I just don't necessarily want to be responsible for making something spicy. So yeah. campfire, um, campfire was important to me. Um, because I, I, I've been, um, I love sumac. I love the sourness of it. I love, um, cooking with it. And, uh, so I, I, I kind of started playing with sumac and then cumin having had the Mexican restaurant for so long. I know cumin is one of those spices where you love it, um, or you hate it or, you know, but a little cumin goes a long way. So I've always been kind of at arm's length with cumin 
but I still think it's important. It's very important, especially when you're making like a big spice blend. So the sumac and the cumin, and then I thought, okay, well, we've got tart and cumin is so earthy. And I was like, aha, um, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell a story of that like smell and that memory that I have. Um, we grew up spending summers in Western North Carolina and I just have this still to this day, I can close my eyes and the way, like if you're in, in like Pisgah forest, you're standing under these hemlock trees. The ground is always a little moist. You can totally smell the earth. Um, so I wanted to kind of translate that into food. So started with cumin, um, which is like the forest floor. It's that earthy smell. And then sumac, that sourness, um, sort of like blackberry picking, because we would always go blackberry picking. So that's where the sour note comes in. And then smoked salt and chilies. And so that's sort of like the campfire. Um, so it's like at the heat, it's got the sour, it's got the earthy, um, it's got a little bit of the salt. And so that's why we named it campfire. Um, just sort of as a nod to that like smell and that food and that, um, I don't know, childhood memory of me of, of, of being being and I mean we we go back all the time and I'm like oh that's it and then so I called um, my friends the designers and I said hey um this the, we're just gonna call this campfire and it and a, a very important place to me um it has become over the past 10 or 12 years is the Pacific Northwest so <laughs> I said can you please do like campfire but can you um can we include like a little Pacific Northwest in the landscape so if you look at the can it's it's got all the elements of what I grew up with in Western North Carolina, but they put some uh, spruce trees in it, so some Sitka spruce trees and stuff. So that's campfire, um, and it has uh, it has residual heat. It's uh, earthy and smoky, and I you know it it's it, it's in, it's like I I use it more than I thought I would. It's got an interesting flavor to it. It's got that heat on the back that doesn't linger very long. So. That's the story of campfire. And, um, and just so I, I want to talk about that one a little bit too. And one of the things I love it with is eggs. I don't know why any type of egg scrambled, making mm-hmm. um, a scramble with vegetables and just regular over easy. It is. It just has this flavor that goes well with eggs. And the other thing is I love it on like just sprinkling it on, you know, beef or chicken and letting it sit for about 12 hours before I cook it. Okay. Uh, and That's I don't know, there, there's like a flavor that comes out of it. And then uh, we also actually will, we buy the burgers, they're raw, but they're already made. And then sprinkling it on that and letting it sit for about four hours is just out of this world, the flavor that comes out of it. And oh, great. I think of a campfire, you know, all the days I went camping and stuff like that. And as a kid, and then there was the glorified camping because we had a motorhome and a horse trailer for horse shows oh. or going to the beach. But it just reminds me of that campfire. I mean, it's a, a great name because it's sort of brings back not only do you have a story about it for your own memories, but it actually brings back memories, I feel like, for the people that consume it, at least for me. And it's mm-hmm. uh, it's just amazing. So, yeah. you know, I you know, I just, well, I think what it is, is it's, again, I'm like, okay, and it's such a different flavor compared to the other ones that it's like, and it's unique and yeah. you start getting your favorites, things that you do with each type of salt. But I didn't mean to interrupt. I just... Um, I just oh, wanted no. to sort of say gonna... how great it was, uh, eggs in particular. Well, I'm glad you brought up eggs because to me, that's sort of like, if it's good on eggs, then it can stay in the family. So <laughs> like anytime we make something, I'm like, eggs? Because eggs is just like the perfect neutral. It's a scrambled eggs is sort of my litmus test for, for, for all the flavors we make. So yeah. Um, so do you, you may talk about friends forever. That's yeah. A, and actually, you know, the other thing we, we've sometimes <laughs> used camp sea salt, campfire sea salt on is, um, is bacon. We'll like lay it on the bacon before oh, we cook it just lightly. I mean, very good. yeah. And not too Excellent. much because obviously That's bacon's good. already kind of salty, but you'd lay it on yeah. there and it gives that hickory smoke to it and everything like that. So that's pretty cool uh, as well. But anyway, I'm sorry. You can go on to the next one. I'm just like, I'm foaming oh. at the mouth here, actually just drooling, uh, thinking <laughs> about all the things. Um, well, Friends Forever was, so we had, so had my four salts, then we launched Magic Unicorn. Then, um, actually the ones you're asking about, we're actually doing it in proper order. Then Hot Steve. Then, um, I, so I am not a sweet, savory person. I don't, I want, I want savory things savory and I want sweet things sweet. And I'm not a big sweet person either. And I'm not particularly fond of honey. Um, although I know it's so good for you. It, 
it's I mean, you know, it's history. I, I appreciate honey. I'm just not a big. I just don't really use it a lot. So, my sweetheart Robbie, um, we're actually complete opposites, but um, on so many things, which I think probably is why we get along so well. But he loves like to cross over. Like he'll put sweet and savory. He'll put honey on things. He'll 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 crisscross any flavor um, at any time. And so I, it was around his birthday. And I had found um, a local honey company and the, with, the, with some spun honey. And so we dehydrated it and found a way to kind of granulate the honey. And so I was trying to make something for him just to take home for personal use. And I know he, and I, he loves honey. So um, I just put some honey and sea salt together and um, brought it home. And he liked it and used it. And I thought, well, maybe this is, the, you know, this is, I don't, this is kind of my least favorite blend I've ever made, but this is my sweetheart's favorite. And so we called it, um, I called it friends forever. And so it's like honey and tears, um, um, you know, hugs and hugs and tears, honey and sea salt friends forever. So that was kind of fun. Um, you know, that he inspired it and that it's, you know, I, it's my least favorite flavor. It's his favorite flavor. And, um, so it's it's one of my most favorites, and then you know just called the designers and said this is this is Robbie's salt friends forever. Can you you know and they just kept it super simple. It's got that kind of butter yellow label, and um, it's got a little contrail like a little bee contrail on the side. So that's where friends forever comes from. <laughs> and I like the the so. salty and sweet. I'm not a I like my thing savory as well, and my sweet sweet. But mm-hmm. Deborah, she loves salty and sweet, or spicy and sweet, and all those kind of mixtures and. This one uh, on popcorn is like a kettle corn almost, and it's just, um, mm-hmm. and you know that's what we use it for. And the honey and the salt just go so well together. And while I prefer my popcorn with butter and salt, I would say um, yeah. when she does have it, it's um, it's pretty amazing. And the way it does taste like kettle corn, I mean, it's except better. Um, it's just because yeah. I don't particularly like kettle corn, but I do like it. Um, with this, with the Friends Forever uh, sea salt. So yeah, I think it's pretty him, amazing. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was, an, and and it's, Robbie is, it, like, I'm chaos. Everything is always like a tornado around me. And so I'm like, you know, and he's just very organized. And when I say simple, I mean, he's just, his life is, um, he's he's a visual artist. So everything is, like, very thoughtful and very um, things that he does. So I'm, I, Friends Forever is a perfect blend for him. It's like simple. It's, you know, it's it's perfect. And then, you know, I can save the unicorns and whatnots for me. So yeah. um, that was, <laughs> but um, I'm trying to think of what, oh, so Mr. Giggle Pants was no, well, Pocket Full of Starlight was our first sugar. Um, and that was just simply like, I love that song. I love the Perry Como song. It's so, the lyrics are so wonderful. And um, the the sugar that we found, um, it's an organic cane sugar that comes from Brazil and it's so clean and it's not very sweet, which I appreciate. I, I'm not a, I don't really put sugar in my coffee, but I do put um, our Mexican chocolate and the Pocketful Starlight in sometimes. And it's not an overly sweet um, sugar. So I appreciated uh, use. I appreciate that being our base because the minute we drop one ingredient in it, that's that's you know it's just it screams. So um, the the very simple pocket full of starlight um, is just bright and it, it's light and it's um, a little goes a long way. And I just kind of wanted something playful to go along with our first sugar, and I just love that song. If you just listen to the lyrics, it's just such a happy, wonderful. Um, and so I thought, oh, pocket full of starlight. This is says bright, clean, very, um, very vanilla forward sugar. It's just, just, and the vanilla we get, is this, you know, fair trade, um, double A bourbon um, vanilla from Madagascar. Um, This uh, family imports it, I believe they were in Boston and I think now they're located on the West Coast, but we've been working with them for years. So it's just a fabulous product. And so, I just thought, you know what, let's keep it simple and happy, and I love this song, and it just makes sense. So <laughs> that was our first sugar, and we decided, you know, w- you know, you use salt so sparingly, but if you're going to use sugar, you know, you want to bake with it or, you know, um, use it every day in your coffee. And so that's why we decided to make it um, 
two cups, so it's 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 a pound. It has a wooden scoop. Um, and uh, so, if you recipe calls for a cup of sugar, use a quarter cup of you know one of our flavored sugars, or you know use it as a finishing sugar. It's great in cocktails. And so, um, the four sugars, one, two, five sugars we make. Um, they're they're very you know they're they're more just straightforward flavors. Like we have an orange chili. We have a Mexican chocolate because I love the idea of that just a little bit of heat, um, the cacao for the earth flavor, um, the sugar, which isn't too sweet. And so uh, the flavors are very simple. Um, I would say one um, that really does have a story behind it is Mr. Giggle Pants. Um, I don't know. if Are you familiar with that one, Justin? Do you? No, no, I'm not familiar with that one. It's so that's actually one of the stories. So I don't know somehow um, with, with these products that we make, um, nine times out of 10, it starts with a desire to tell a food memory, um, it's a, a desire to tell a story or a certain flavor that I, or a food memory that I'm trying to get, get back to like French picnic. I love everything that has to do with charcuterie and mustard. And so that's where that flavor came from. But this Mr. Giggle pants, it's an instance where the name came first. And I don't know why, I mean, maybe it was just an extra silly day or whatever. And I, said something Mr. Giggle Pants and so I was like oh my goodness where have I heard that from and I started googling thinking what for my childhood you know what is what what is that and actually there was no Mr. Giggle Pants and I was like well maybe it was just a good head day and I came up with this fun name so I did a trademark search I grabbed the name I was like we've got to do something fun with us we had just started playing around with sugar um so I was like this has to be outrageous um, we've got to, you know, honor this crazy name. So um, at the same time, I didn't want it to be too outrageous because all these products, it's so important to me that people use them, <laughs> that they're actually being used in the home to create something fun and exciting. So um, so I uh, did some research, was looking, and I kind of wanted to light something, and I knew I wanted it to be uh, a little uh, fruity, so, um, Mr. Gillipants, obviously, you don't say fruity, you say tutti fruity. So, um, we, I, I got citrus, um, hibiscus, which a little hibiscus, oh my goodness, once you get the, those flowers ground down, it's unbelievable how much color it provides. So, it's just a hibiscus citrus, and it is so light and so sweet and sour and fruity at the same time. So, it's like, okay, this is it. Let's stop right here. Um, called my favorite designers in the whole world the, the, in Columbia. And I said, okay, and this is how we literally do product development. I'll either text them an idea or what I want it to look like. And, you know, then I'll send them the compliance. And then on the first take, nine times out of 10 on the first take. So I said, I can't remember if this was email or over the phone. I said, okay, can we do an elephant, a gay elephant in hot pants, drinking champagne, um, and we're going to call it Mr. Giggle Pants, and I want it for cocktails or for lemonade or for baking or for French toast. Can we just – and so within, like, a couple of days, there's this hot pink tin. There's an elephant, and looks like he's got, like, 70s, like, little hot pink yeah. hot pants on. If you look closely at the container, you'll see he has um, three little chest hairs, and then out of his trunk is bubbles, and it says tee-hee-hee, tee-hee-hee, and he's drinking champagne and dancing. And it was perfect. So um, that's where Mr. Giggle Pants came from, um, and it, it's it's a very popular flavor. It's very versatile and fun to play with. Um, AJC did a story and asked for recipes, and so that was kind of fun for me because I had to kind of do like real recipes. It wasn't just like put it on your you know use it in your cocktails. And yeah. so um, I ended up making like a shallot vinaigrette out of one and I don't know, a bunch of savory dishes. So that was a fun. Now, so tell me more about fun. those dishes just to give the audience how to use it. Well, and I'm curious as well because I haven't actually purchased that one yet. So I haven't, you know, figured out how well, I got to figure out how to use it if I'm going to purchase it. Well, okay. So the way I look at the sugars and like, I, I'm not a baker, I'm not a big sweet person. So the way I, and probably selfishly design them is that uh, I want, I want them to be, you know, outside of baking, which is why we make them in the large containers. I want them to be sort of incorporated into dishes. It doesn't necessarily have to flavor the dish, but it can be incorporated. So um, Mr. Giggle Pants, it's got the sweetness, but it's also got tartness, but not too tart. So I thought, all right, well, and think about this. Like if you're adjusting a recipe 
a perfect example for all the sugars we make. Like if you're making a vinaigrette, you're going to want to have some acid. You're definitely going to have a little bit of salt. But the sweetness, it keeps the oil and vinegar from being, you know, too nutty. Like if, the, if you've got too much oil or if it's a really strong olive oil or if you've got, you know, the if it's just lemon juice, you're using your vinegar. A little sugar in there sort of marries all of those flavors. Yeah. And so that's what it started. So I made like, like a shallot vinaigrette and I was like, I'm going to try the Mr. Giggle Pants. And so for one, it made it hot pink, which was great, but it, that, that sweetness and the tartness just sort of balanced everything. And then the shallot came through before anything else. So it's sort of, it's a great, like, it's a sugar, the, the flavored sugars we make, I kind of look at them as sort of like background players, you know, the Mexican chocolate, um, it's just got the cacao, a little bit of cayenne. Um, a tiny bit of cinnamon, not that you can even really taste it, and the sugar. And I think it's fabulous um, if you, you know, for as a rub, um, incorporated with what you're already seasoning your, you know, ribs with or anything that you're grilling. It doesn't show up, but it's sort of is like a behind-the-scenes player. Um, like orange chili, um, I think it's great on sweeter fish like salmon and trout, incorporation with what you're already dressing your fish with. So. That's where I kind of look at all the sugars, but that's me, the savory person. Um, I'm sure, you know, I mean, we, we have all sorts of suggested uses for baking on them as well. So, And I, and I want to get back to the salts and the flavors, but I want to save that for part two, if, if you don't mind, because there's sure. the ladybug picnic oh. and, and so many more amazing ones. And one of my favorites, which is the, um, the Sultan uh, Papa, I can never say it, Papalopagus. Sultan Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos, <laughs> yes, which is funny because I went to college with a, a kid with the last name Papadopoulos, and I still can never say it. And um, But I really love all those, so I want to save that for part two, but... As we start to finish okay. up part one, um, I want to, I mean, how did you come up with the name and the logo and all of that? Because, you know, it's got this ship theme almost, uh, your logo, but, you know, that oh. it represents the sea. Well, so beautiful briny sea. Um, when I was trying to come up with a name, um, it sort of, it found me and then it's, it, it, it's two parts. Um, so um, I... Found Bedknobs and Broomsticks is a 1960s Walt Disney film that I loved. Um, had Angela Lansbury in it, and there's a song um, bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea. And I've just always, you know, had that in the back of my head. And so um, that was, you know, maybe an idea. I knew that this was a sea salt company. That's all I was going to make. You know, this was before the dry goods, you know, the sugar and the sprinkles and all this stuff started happening. So it's like sea salt. Oh, beautiful burning sea. And then Robbie um, found this picture of my father. And it's a tiny, it's like almost like what your school pictures used to look like, the little wallet size. It was smaller than that. And it was sepia tone. And it was him on a um, submarine looking out over the ocean. He was, um, he went to the Naval Academy and then uh, was a submariner. And so um, this was in the 60s. Um, before they, ha- you know, do you know if you know what a sextant is? It's like an old school, it's like old school GPS. It's how you, you know, find your. He was a navigator, so it's this picture of him looking over the ocean with us. And Robbie just said, "Well, they are here," and I was like, "Oh, great!" And it's it's so important to me that um, he's a part of the company. Um, he he passed away four years ago, but he and like I said, he had dementia. So, but he did get to see his you know face be sort of the logo. Um, of our company. And so when I, when I step back and think about it, I see this picture of my father who is still my business partner. He's my ethicist. He's, you know, uh, so, so important to this company. And then it's, you know, married to this name, beautiful Barney C. And so I say this company um, has two guiding principles. It's um, integrity with a sense of creativity. And so um, that, that really is, is, is what guides me um, with, with, hundred percent of what we do here. So it's amazing. I um, I that's that's an amazing way to come across a logo. And I love well, one I love, um, gosh, bed knobs and broomsticks. Like that brings me back to being a kid and watching that all the time. Um, huge Disney mm-hmm. movie fan just to begin with, and even as a a, a very uh, uh, 
mature adult, I would say I still go back to the Disney movies. <laughs> I just watched the Mary Poppins Returns the other day. Deborah's like, I didn't, I don't know why oh. you like it so much. And I'm like, oh, I, you just, I have, you have no understand what the f- first Mary Poppins means to me. And, but it's one of those yeah. things that yeah. I'm sort of a kid at heart for, for, for Disney movies anyway, or Disney in general, of because course. I feel like. Yeah. I love imagination. You know, that's why I love your products. I mm-hmm. love the imagination. I love the creativity and I love that entrepreneurs and things get to do that in their everyday life. And it's what I get to do in my everyday life. I get to be creative and, and my imagination gets to run wild and I get to think of things that work and don't work. And, and it's really probably why I love your story so much and your products because it's just <laughs> that exact thing you just said. I mean, I'm always expecting this simple term like out of, a, out of your story and it's just everything has a story including not only the name of your company but the logo of your company so it wasn't like you came with a name and they came with a logo no the logos you know the you know pre-gps days and um and the name comes from bed knobs and broomsticks which i I know exactly the song you're talking about and actually it didn't dawn on me all this time the last four years that that's where it had come from um yeah but it's so amazing so um I love I love the story and so as we get off I'm going to wrap things up but we'll coordinate another time to record so I can do the episodes back okay. to back and um but everyone in the audience you know if you're listening in please you know order some of the salt and sugar online from at uh, beautiful briny sea and um god tongue twisters i don't know why that one twists my tongue so much but it's um <laughs> but it's uh, probably because i could never sing the song and it's <laughs> it's they're great products um we're gonna do you know it'll be a, another episode released here on friday uh since this one will release on a wednesday and i just thank everyone for listening in please share what we're doing please share Susie's story and her products they're amazing i i guarantee it you can put my guarantee on the box and it's uh it's one of those things where i love her story and and who she is as an entrepreneur so please support her uh this is justin the food entrepreneurs podcast and uh thank you for everyone listening in and um you're very welcome Susie. seriously i love what you're doing thank you so much Thank you. (laughs) Everyone have a nice day, and we'll be talking to Susie again on Friday. Thank you, guys. Bye.